0: Welcome to the Rekindle XM Podcast. I'm Michelle, your host today, and I'm joined by Masha and Brian. So today, we are gonna talk about why most of us need to upgrade our stress management skills. We're gonna be talking about if stress coping is something we are born with, or do we have to learn how to do it? And why it is so important that we have a number of different stress coping skills to deal with the modern stressors. So, Brian and Masha, welcome. And we're going to go ahead and get started. So, most of us understand that we have a lot of stress. Plug.
1: Why do I have to keep saying we need to talk about our shameless book plug?
0: Because I'm doing it in the middle. It's already in the middle of my present. Ah. <laughs> Brian, you messed things up. <laughs> the Gatchel Brawl. I did not. <laughs> All right. So, we're not doing a shameless book plug just yet. We will get to that. Wow. Um, so, well, Brian just did, and... go ahead. <laughs> okay, never mind. Brian, just go for it. Oh,
1: you said you're doing it later.
0: Who's just... the excited puppy now? <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, let's get back. Um, so, Masha and Brian, there's an article out that talks about the five stressors of modern life. And, you know, I think that most of us can guess what these are. But let's just think about our days. Let's go back a few years, first of all, because Brian and I are now full-time RVers. We decided to get rid of a lot of stress so we don't have the same lifestyle now. But several years ago... um, you know, we were doing the typical corporate life where we left at seven in the morning, so we fought traffic for an hour, we got to work, and then we had long, busy, you know stressful days. Uh, we fought traffic then for an hour going home, and it wasn't unusual for us to be on our computers at night working, um, not always, of course, but we all had deadlines that we had to work around so you know, if we think about it, there are a number of stressors that we encounter during the day that our, you know, ancestors hundred years ago, 150 years ago, didn't encounter. One, they weren't on the roads with millions of people. Um, two, they didn't sit in front of computers and TVs, you know, all day long, and electronics. Um, three, you know, if there was something in their atmosphere, their environment that caused a feeling of danger they often did rely on these fight or flight skills. Literally, you're going to fight it, do something about it right then and there, or you're going to run from it. And, you know, unfortunately, as much as we would like to, when you're in a modern lifestyle, it's very rare that you can fight or run from the stressors. So let's get into it. Um, Masha, Brian, what do you think? Are we born with stress management skills Or is this something we have to learn as we go through life?
2: I think that we are definitely born with some skills that are appropriate for our infant environment. And that's why babies act the way they do. Uh, They very clearly communicate with us. It just takes us a while to figure out what that means, right? The stress coping mechanisms are built in. However, I believe that as we grow, we have to learn new skills and adopt as we become more grounded in this environment. So it's a combination. We have the skills, but as we enter the very complex world that we are living in, we have to learn new skills to be able to navigate the life managing our stress accordingly.
1: You're you're forgetting one side of it though. It's also part of your genetics, how you respond to stress, is different for everybody, and it's at a gene level as well. So you can learn stress response, but people who learn the same stress response may not actually use the same stress response because it's not built into them that way. Or it may not work. Even if they use it the same way, they may not be able to get the same um, ending of the cycle that another person does.
2: I have a perfect example Ah. for that. I completely agree with you. So they are twins. We'll just pretend we know these twins. The twin A is an extrovert and twin B is an introvert. And what happens when they get in trouble and they get in timeout, they both get sent in the corner in their room to close the door. They're grounded in timeout. (laughs) Extrovert's going to suffer. It's like the worst punishment ever. Introvert is going to celebrate. Oh, yes. Thank you. Bye. So that punishment doesn't (laughs) quite fit because they do manage and respond to stress differently.
0: All right. Well, you guys are getting us into the debate right off the bat of nature versus nurture. Um, Before we continue, I am going to give a shameless plug. If you find this content helpful, please help us reach a million hearts by subscribing and following us. We would greatly appreciate it. All right. So we've already talked about one of the, um, the big questions in mental health, physical health, nature versus nurture. Um, so we are going to talk today about some of both. So for those who are in the stress management field, they categorize different types of coping responses. We have chosen to take one category and sort of make it our own here at Rekindle, which we're calling supportive. Um, so we talk about supportive coping methods for stress as those healthy underlying habits. So your diet, your rest, your sleep and getting physical movement. Um, we actually did an entire episode on this and we'll put the link down below where we talk in depth about resting diet exercise and some of the challenges that we face in our stressful, busy lives. Um, But then there's two others that we often talk about and that you'll see often in the literature. One is emotional coping or emotional focused coping and problem focused coping. So these are categories that help us think about how we manage stress. Um, So we're going to go into those a little bit today. But one of my questions that I want to start out with, with both of you. So let's go back. At least a couple years. So Brian and I, we are now going to, you know, three years, I guess, out of our, or at least two years out of our burnout situation. Um, Masha is, you know, now well through recovery. So we've kind of gone through professional, personal burnout, and we're on the other side of it. We all had to learn stress coping skills that we didn't know before. But my question is, what were your stress management skills before? you went through burnout. And what is your natural, you know, if you have one, do you tend to rely on supportive coping methods? Do you tend to rely on emotional coping methods? Or do you tend to rely on problem-based? Are you finding that there is one that you naturally gravitate towards? And here's where we're kind of getting back into that nature versus nurture.
1: I think it's, it's kind of just depends. I mean, Before I got to a point where it didn't matter what I did, I was just burned out. Um, I had a lot of different coping methods that I used that I don't think I realized because I liked being out in nature. I don't know how many times I'd go on drives up into the mountains and just be by myself. And I'd sit in the back of my pickup bed, journal about something or write poems or whatever I was doing at the time, have my time with myself and God. And that was one way of stress coping. And then I'd also hang out with friends on the weekend camping. I did a lot of outside stuff. But as you get older, get married, life starts to happen. You start losing some of those natural things you did. And you don't even realize that you're Mm -hmm. not picking up those coping methods that you need to that help you get out of it. So it just adds up, and you don't really get that release—at least as far as what I my I experienced myself.
0: Mm, interesting, um, interesting how you talk about. Yes, we do have natural coping methods, but sometimes life interferes, and we don't use them. Um, Masha, what what about you?
2: <laughs> well, early on, <laughs> early on, I adopted a very uh, now that I know it's not a, a healthy coping method, as a overfunctioning savior and uh, with uh, superhero syndrome, my zone of genius of coping with everything, uh, life and uh, work-related, was problem-solving uh, coping methods, and that's the area I existed and I got stuck in. I did not take the time for emotional coping. I did not take time for supportive coping. One, I did not prioritize them. They weren't important. And that's the cultural condition I grew up with. Your emotions, get over it. Get over there, get it done. So that's the stigma I grew up with is that emotional is weakness, supportive, there's no time for supportive coping methods. What are you talking about? You know, you work two jobs, you have kids, you have home, you have activities, you have, and it just goes on and on and on. All the things and I used to say I carry the world on my shoulders. And over the time, now that I've uh, recovered from burnout and worked with professional, and I still do, I use all three because I naturally do default to problem solving. That's part of ingrained DNA and inheritance that I've gotten. You know, there's the genes there for you. But I have to be very watchful because very quickly, if I don't use the right supporting methods... I very quickly get back into the sick mode and my body punishes me by just shutting down it doesn't tell me <laughs> there are all warning signs i now recognize them and just yesterday i was uh, talking to my therapist and i was you know telling her everything that's going on my grandmother uh, has a very aggressive form of dementia that's progressing very very quickly uh, and there is a new symptom that came up, which of course stressed me out because the um, it started to impact me during my sleeping hours. And uh, she she called me out. Well, what are you doing about that? I'm like, what can I do about it? She's my grandmother. I have to take care of her. But there's problem right solving. But she's like, okay, that's fine. That's something you do have to deal with. But how do you take care of you? And I'm like, oh. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. I so, did learn the so importance Mar- of the other two.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, it's interesting because what Brian was talking about with going on long drives and you know camping and being out in nature. So that is actually a, a combination of, of two of those methods. So it's a combination of supportive because, of course, you know when you're when you're out in nature camping, you're doing some physical exertion. Um, it's also emotional, um, calming, and you know that. Going for a long drive, where you are switching your mind to a different setting, and so it's interesting because Brian, what you talked about was primarily. Well, emotional. you're not just Masha, switching your you... mind to
1: a different setting. You're. Um, that was my time to think about all the things that were going on. So, mm-hmm. yes, there's there It's a probably was a combination of problem focused and emotion focused because. Mm-hmm. Um. There was a lot of motions I generally had to work with, but I also had to figure out how to get through those, and I had to tell myself sometimes just to get out of my own head, and it's, it wasn't what I was thinking, and that type of thing. Uh-huh. Um, so that's where some of that was, especially, and the drive helped that, but sitting And nature really helps that too, because that's your time to meditate and think, and that's more emotion-based, I think.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So it's just funny because I would say that my primary go-to naturally was in the supportive realm, because when, especially when I was younger, I was very, very physically active and I was into diet and I made sure I got enough sleep, but I was you know, I was doing sports almost or some type of working out sports almost every day. And I relied on that to help me get through stressful situations. So I had, that was more of my natural inclination. So it's interesting because we all have these different natural inclinations of where we're going to go to. And and Brian, I like that you pointed out that sometimes it is a combination. It's not always like it's one or the other. Um, But, you know, we definitely have our the things that we go to naturally, but then Masha, you pointed out something um, that we need to be thinking about, and we often don't because we just think, Oh, well, I know how to deal with stress, but do we? And then we find out, as you did, Masha, that we do have coping methods, but those coping methods are not always sufficient for the stressors that come along. So, the right one, gonna take a st- the right one. Yeah, so I'm gonna take a step back and just talk about the different types of stressors. So there are different models out there, but um, the one that that we like um, is kind of a, a two, it sort of differentiates between the stressors that are in your environment versus the interpersonal stressors. So we cause our own stress. Um, some of that is our, our mindsets, some of that is our physical and genetic predispositions that are you know, going to affect us as we go through life. But then we also have these stressors that are in our environment. So we have our relationships. We have stress that comes from you know, our family members who we love. Um, but sometimes there are stressors. Sometimes it comes from our colleagues at work, Sometimes it's in our environment, our hectic drive-through traffic, the constant noise that we're exposed to, being on computers and electronics all the time. Um, And then we have this thing called performance stress, which when it comes to burnout, this is what we think of. And what we mean is our jobs. Um, Other types of, you know, could be sports where we feel this need to perform. So we have multiple different stressors coming at us. And yet sometimes we think that our natural inclinations for stress management is sufficient to get us through all of these different stressors. And we think it's a sign of weakness to admit, oh, maybe I do need help. Maybe I do need to learn some different coping methods. Um, so there's different types of stress. There's different types of coping methods. And one of the, the, um, important skills that we all have to learn as we go through life is how to match our coping methods with the stressor that's coming at us. So just a little bit about that. Why is it important to match that, that be able to match coping skills to the stressor? Any thoughts on that? Well,
3: don't,
0: I'll jump the, in at once. Where- I see Brian
3: it's the, talking
0: <laughs> to his eyes already. <laughs> we we have to give Brian a, a little chance. He's our introvert. We have well, to give him a chance. You're saying to that, but
1: you're not giving me any chance. You just keep talking <laughs> in. It doesn't help that there seems to be a little delay today. Um, by picking the the coping method that best handles that stressor, it's the quickest way to end that response. And that's what you always want to do: is end that response as quickly as possible. There's multiple ways you can end that response, but some could take a couple of days and that's not really a good method if you can end it almost immediately and catch yourself and you start to notice that. And that's that's one thing that we, all three of us have started to realize that when we get into that stressor, we start noticing that stressor really soon.
3: And then we can like, oh, okay.
1: Okay, I know how to get out of this now. So that it, it's really important to know stressor versus coping.
2: Right. I'm gonna add a little little to that. I do agree with that. Um, you know, it's important to have a, a menu, a la carte menu. We call it the My Rekindle Kit, and have those strategies right, lined up for you so that they can use them. And But before that, that's your emergency kit, right? I had a stressor. What do I do, right? Usually, either shut down or get angry at somebody and, you know, or, you know, there's other ways. But what I found is that if you have a proactive approach to being intentional about your week and just planning things out, spending some quiet time doing some healthy habit things during the day, spending some time in the sunshine, go take a walk around the block or the park or whatever that is, just some of the things that I enjoy to do. And um, that would be more, you'll be more in tune. You'll be more in the present. And this is what I found with myself is yesterday sitting in, uh, with my therapist, you know, the sky is falling. It's like, well, what happened? Like, what? why did you regress? Like, okay, on Monday, this happened on Tuesday. This happened an hour early on Wednesday. this happened. It's the same thing, and I told her I'm trapped in Groundhog Day working with somebody uh, taking care of somebody who has dementia. You are literally trapped in a Groundhog day, and this is one of the worst movies ever made I personally it's it's the best worst movie ever made. Let me rephrase that because I you know live in that <laughs> sometimes and it adds to my stress. <laughs> And But she asked, well, what are you doing about it? I'm like, I need a sabbatical before I, I, I'm i nearing the tip of a cliff again. And I feel it. I'm seeing all the signs. I'm seeing all of my helpful strategies during the day that I do. I'm beginning to neglect them. And that is my first mm-hmm. warning sign. If I don't yes. do my daily devotional, I'm like, uh-oh, it's day number two. I miss my daily devotional. And it's alarm bells that are going off. I'm like, okay, signs, what do I do next? <laughs> Some thoughts there.
0: Yeah, and it's it's so funny, Masha, because even listening to the way you approach, it, it's like, yep, you know, you're our problem solver because you're immediately trying to figure out how do I organize my week, how do I incorporate, you know, what I need to in order to not get stressed out. Um, but you know, you bring up a good point, which is that sometimes there's so many stressors coming at us, and they're coming at us so quickly that we have to learn new stress coping skills. Um, so we need a variety of skills because you know for example like with the supportive skills they're not going to help you in the moment for the most part now that's not entirely true if you know you have something stressful happen and you can go take a 10 minute walk so that physical activity that will help you but let's face it let's let's put a you know a normal situation that we face if you're in the corporate world you face this you're in a meeting somebody gets aggressive or you know d- decides to um, be very opinionated and they're pushing your buttons, stressor right there. Well, you can't get up and fight them. You know, Try that and see where that gets you with your manager. Um, you also can't run out of the meeting. Like, there's no way to deal with it by a typical fight or flight type you know, uh, coping method. So sometimes you have to have a different way to cope with that stressor in the moment it might be a little different than the way that you're going to cope with it after the moment. Um, so just for a moment, we're going to go through the emotional coping, what that means, and problem-focused coping. And I want to get your thoughts on some of these. So emotional coping is exactly emotional focused coping is exactly what it sounds like where in the moment, so you're in that meeting, or you're in that confrontational relationship with a family member, a colleague, whoever it is um, You can't fight them, or in most situations, you probably can't. Uh, You can't run from them. So you have to have some way to bring that emotion back down to a calm state. That's the whole point of the emotional coping. Um, So we're going to talk about problem-focused coping in a second. But I would say for me personally, this is a tough one because I think of all of the types of coping. This is the hardest for me. Is that true for you, Masha? Uh, And Brian can probably attest to this. I'm not a person who shares easily when it comes to emotions, but I struggle with this one. Is this true? Or how do you guys, what, what, what emotional coping do you use? And is it something that's natural versus learned for you?
2: My old mindset was emotional coping is dumb. My new mindset, after I found the value of of it, uh, it does take work, it's possible for you to learn emotional coping. And my new mindset for that is it is necessary and it's life-saving. It is the one thing that I had to learn and it is the one thing that helps me connect with the now. I've never been a reactive person. I've always been a proactive person. But when I'm stuck in that emotional stressor, if I have an aggressor coming at me, I don't immediately go and fight. My immediate reaction is to diffuse situation to calm things down, the nurture way of things. And practicing that, usually take a step back, take a deep breath, analyze, you know, how do you feel first is you? Uh, Are you in danger? Are you just angry that this is happening? But it's not necessarily helpful to deal with emotional coping right then and there. You have to have self-control and self-will to deal with the situation first. And then you can take a step back and journal to reflect on, okay, I felt this. And that's where it usually never got to. I dealt with it and I mm-hmm. swept it under the rug and I kept going. But now when I have a feeling and I don't know what it is, I have to really pray and meditate. Well, what is this physical feeling? Like, oh, it's emotion. Okay, what emotion is it? And then you go through your, uh, my five whys. Well, why do I feel this way? And I get to a very particular uh, event. And a lot of times it's not related to the immediate stressor. It just helped me realize it because I've had that feeling already for a little bit. And then I did not end the stress cycle. So it carried on and built up at the next time that emotion was provoked.
0: Hmm. So I heard you mention journaling as a as a coping, you know, as effective coping for you when it comes to emotions. Are there any other emotion focused coping methods that you have learned to use?
2: Oh absolutely. Um, I think a, a lot of it has to do with Taking the time, taking the quiet time, and really be present with myself and check in through all the emotions and where I'm lacking. And the quiet time does it for me, even if I don't get it to the journaling. But things like being outdoors, it totally resets my my psyche. It totally grounds me into the moment. What I also like to do during the day, and when I forget it, I don't have as a successful day. When I work, I have classical music, I have Mozart playing, and it's just calming. It unlocks my focus and creativity, and it puts me in that space of, oh, I love to work and focus even though I hate the task in front of me. And there's uh, lots of other ones, like this weekend, for example, uh, I'm taking one of my Um, girlfriends to a spa day because she just finished a nursing program and she's on verge. She is in burnout and unrecognized burnout. And I think she's kind of like, I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, hmm, we got to do something. So we're going to do a spa day. So that way we're actually driving two hours to uh, an area we're going to uh, do the spa day. Then we're going to do some physical therapy, some massage therapy. We're going to do some sauna, some floating, some aromatherapy, some sound therapy. So those types of things help recognize emotions and let them go. Because you can't let them go unless you recognize what those are. Just some examples of of things that that I use. Uh, but I think the most important one for me, which is also a proactive one, is reconnecting to the now. And this is where there's so many distractions, like you mentioned. There's so much noise. There's ping from computer, iPad. There's just like nonstop. You walk in and it's like a casino of sounds that are happening around you. And that does cause stress. So I think one of the most important things is taking the time to reconnect with myself, with God every single day, making that time. When I do, things go amazing. When I don't, I get caught Mm -hmm. up in the chaos.
0: Um, And Brian may disagree with you on the whole Mozart thing, but I I do like the fact that you point out music, which could make a tremendous difference. So, okay. So, Brian, I I know Mozart's probably not your favorite, but what are your emotional coping methods? You've talked a little bit about being out in nature. Are there any others that you've had to learn over these past couple years um, as we've been out on sabbatical and then, you know, starting a whole new life? well,
1: writing the book that's coming out here in the next nine months was probably my biggest emotional support during this time of recovering from burnout. But, uh, I had a really good friend, Warren Shell, that he walked with me a lot. I was able to overcome a lot of things that probably were emotion based. Just to be able to talk through that and having that type of support was really hopeful. Uh, During the sabbatical time, most of my came from just allowing my emotions to come and just working through them. We we tend to suppress those emotions because we don't want to deal with them, but at some point you're going to start letting them come out so that you can start working through them. And that takes time, and it's not necessarily any major thing that you can do other than just let that emotion come out and work through its process of what's going on. And then you have a little bit of, I don't know if it's emotion focus, but you're trying to work through, like Masha has said, the five whys. And you're like, well, why am I feeling this way? Should I be feeling this way? How can I change my thought on this? What if it's... I'm looking at this from the wrong angle, and I had to start looking at this not from a victim, but from well, what were the things that I did that helped the situation happen the way that it did? Where did I go wrong? How can I make that change? So it's changing perspective from potential victimhood to okay, I was the one who perceived it wrong, I was the one who had the wrong reaction. And it's not always the case. And I'm not saying it is, but that's how I approached it during the medical time that we
3: were talking about.
0: Yeah. And you know, I think it's interesting because um Brian, we're getting the um, you know, the male perspective on this because we've we've now talked to a couple other folks who have talked about how you know, It's not uncommon for men to suppress and internalize. So I do know during our sabbatical there were a lot of emotions and, and just you know it's funny because we'd come back to Denver, which is where we were from, and even hitting that environment would trigger it because I'd be sitting in the car with you and all of a sudden we'd we'd hit like Metro Denver and you're just like, Oh <laughs> a lot of that is coming back.
1: The first year and a half come back to Denver after we left, it was it was like all of those emotions and stressors, even though they weren't there anymore, they were all just jumping right in front of my face. And thankfully, after time, you can work through those and I don't have that anymore. But coming back to Denver is something that I'll probably never enjoy that. Day.
2: I can <laughs> attest to that too. And I've been a Denverite since 1995, since we moved continent, so I consider myself local. <laughs> And <laughs> I can totally relate, and I think we actually had a conversation about this once. Is, Does anybody else feel this? When you go outside you, to outside of the states, and you know, vacation, business trip, whatever, you come back, you like enter a thick fog. Like, what happened in its instant? So it's interesting that I feel it too. Coming back to Denver, um, I do get to take some weekends on the East Coast uh, uh, due to some uh, nice privileges we have as a family. But when I come back. I'm like, whoa! It's like instant. That, feeling. yeah, and, you know
0: that's interesting because that um, that in itself is is a form of emotional coping, which is you know, kind of separating yourself or getting out of um, a situation long enough to let your brain um, process and. Um, start to deal with some of those emotions. But I'm kind of getting into the weeds here, um, which we're not going to do too much today. Uh, We'll have further episodes coming up where we're going to dive a little deeper into some of these types of um, coping and, you know, particularly emotional emotion focused will I think be your next one. But um, it sounds like what I'm hearing is, yes, you had some natural skills. You also had to learn some particularly in burnout recovery. Um, and one more I'm just just going to throw in there, because Brian and I do this frequently now, is breathing. You know, we don't necessarily always recognize this, but um, the power of taking those deep intentional breaths and, um, you know, really breathing out is yes, something I that we've all it, gotten.
1: When I'm being a yeah. about that, but okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> There's a lot of sighs.
1: I don't think those are intentional. Those are just action. <laughs>
0: And that's a natural coping method as well, but um you know that is something we do a whole lot more of is you know taking those those deep breaths and being intentional about that um to immediately start that calming process um that's one that's one coping method you're gonna hear everywhere that um comes in very handy in the moment when you can't run, you can't change your situation, and you need that emotional calming right away um so I add something we're to gonna that.
2: Oh, go ahead, Marcia. Really quick. Okay. So breathing, I think it's uh it's an excellent call out. I did not notice this until somebody told me breathe. I'm like, what are you talking about? I hold my breath when I'm stressed, when I'm in those situations. So breathing is important, don't you think? Very <laughs> so catch yourself. Catch yourself if your breaths get more shallow or you stop breathing. I hold my breath and I don't know for how long I hold my breath. I get that feeling. I'm like, what's that feeling? I'm going, oh, I got to breathe. And then when I take a breath, people are like, what's wrong with you? Why are you mad? I'm like, I'm just breathing. I am not mad. I'm just breathing. Releasing tension.
0: Try it. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. And I'm one of those who loves to walk, meditate and breathe and do that all at the same time. Um, that is when I practice meditations, when I practice breathing, and right now with two dogs, I spend a lot of time walking in the RV lifestyle. Um, all right, so let's let's go ahead and move on to the next category, which is problem focused coping. So it's exactly what it sounds like, but you're basically trying to mitigate, you know, decrease that stressor or just get rid of it all the way around if you can. And there again, are a number of actual separate methods here. Um, And I am going to stop and just give a, I'm going to give our book plug now. So in our book that is going to be published this fall, um, we actually talk about our journeys and we do talk about these types of coping in much more detail than we do today. Um, So problem focused coping, what problem-focused coping methods do you use? What did you have to learn versus what do you feel like you were just born with?
1: I'm a natural procrastinator, so problem-focused
3: coping methods um, was something that I definitely
1: had to learn. And being from the engineering world, the whole idea of what we're doing is problem-focused coping because we're trying to meet Mm -hmm. a deadline and we want to be done well before the deadline happens so we're not up until midnight trying to submit something that is not done as well as it should be because you had to rush through it. So um, just the field that I was in had to teach me that. But then being a natural procrastinator, I'm always at war with that idea of, finding ways to stop
3: that stressor before it happens.
2: For me, I I don't know if if I've, I don't think I've learned it. I I hate to say this, but I'm just born with it. (laughs) Problem solving has just been always, always my zone of genius. And to this day, I have a problem in front of me or a situation or anything. My brain automatically thinks, what's the best thing that can happen? What do I want to happen? And what's the worst thing that's going to happen? What's, what's the worst possible thing that can happen? And then realistically... Okay, that's
1: the immediate you... response. Everybody no, kinda has is... that problem solving on an immediate response. But what about something that you know is coming up? How do you solve it then? Did you naturally and... just...
2: I'm trying to explain it if you'd only listen. <laughs> I mean, what's this thing it's part of my thinking process with anything that can come up or anything that is coming up or anything that is a surprise what's the best thing what's the worst thing realistically it's going to happen somewhere in the middle and therefore it takes it takes a lot to get an emotion out of me and i usually am very reserved that's just something that just works for me okay
0: so, so Masha, I'm, a follow-up question though is where has problem focused coping failed you and why did you have to learn the others if this is your natural instinct?
2: Where it failed me, I wasn't prepared for that question. I wasn't perfect. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm perfectly imperfect. Um, I think the problem solving where it failed me is that having that overtuber personality and and not being able to say no. Solving other people's problems and enabling individuals to abandon their problems and leave it for somebody else to solve and being in a place where I default to helping and volunteering versus you know letting things just figure its way out, I tend to jump in and, and save the situation, and it's oftentimes not my job nor my role, nor is it asked of me, so I would say. Mm-hmm one of the character flaws I definitely have worked through and learning to bite my tongue and just let, let things come. But in my mind, I already have all the answers, all the ins and outs. And and if it's useful, (laughs) I'll use it. But trying to walk away from the problem I know I can help solve is really hard for me.
0: So actually you're bringing up a particular problem focused coping method, which we don't often think about, but that is boundaries. So you were on the, um, on the problem focused coping methods, you were already good at actually figuring out, you know, how to solve all these problems. But it sounds like you were missing the boundaries piece. So it sounds like that's something you've had to learn.
2: Both sides of the coin completely. And because I would be that energy, I allowed that energy come in and rip chaos, uh, instead of Setting clear boundaries and not letting uh, my peace be disturbed. And this is something we're also going to talk about in one of the future episodes called Finding Your Peace. And, Brian, what are your thoughts on problem?
0: Because, you know, as an engineer, you are an amazing problem solver. But I'm curious, where has that either failed you or where have you had to learn new skills? And I actually think you're pretty good with boundaries for the most part.
1: Yeah. I I had to learn boundaries as well. I mean, anytime when you're young and you're impressionable in your 20s, you want to make sure that you're making the good impressions and once you start to learn where people are starting to take advantage of you, you either let that happen or you start setting boundaries and eventually you just have to start setting boundaries because it wears on you. So I learned boundaries just like Masha is learning boundaries from instances at work or whatever, where I constantly felt like I wasn't getting the value that I should have, or I wasn't Mm. feeling the value that I should have for what I've done. And the way Masha was talking about problem solving, I, I do that too. I always look at the plus and the minuses and being somewhat pessimistic seeing the negative is pretty easy so if you're always figuring on the worst case scenario anything that happens above that is great most of the time so um,
2: and oftentimes it gets misinterpreted if you look at you know you look at the both but you the best but you also look at the worst and we usually tend to verbalize the worst a little bit more. And I've been told, I'm like, why do you always look at the worst side? I'm like, no, it's really a trait of resilience when you are able to look at all outcomes and then pivot to the right direction and correct uh, course and action as situations progress. So what do you guys think about that?
1: I agree. I mean, if you can start thinking about the worst outcome, then like I said, anything that happens after that is better than what was given you anxiety for so it it may still give you some anxiety it may still give you some stress but it's not going to be the worst so you're able to make and if the worst does happen well you've already thought about it and it's not as big of a shock to your system and you're able to recover from it quicker
2: and there's a saying that i grew up with actually and it just didn't resonate until now. Expect the best, plan for the worst. <laughs> ah.
0: Yes.
1: Which yeah, is I don't interesting know that I ever because. I expected the best, though.
0: <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the That is in somewhat me. true with personality, isn't it? <laughs> but you know, it's interesting because that, that is kind of a, um, it appeals both to the emotion side and the problem side because you're expecting the best. So you're looking for a good out- outcome, your mindfulness comes in there. Yet at the same time, the problem solving side, be prepared to solve that problem. So yeah, that's interesting. Even in that saying, you're covering both emotions and the problem solving. Um, Okay. So, oh, Masha, go ahead.
2: Yes. I was going to say there's a flip side of this and it's a mindset change because a lot of people that I know, they they expect the worst, no, they They expect the worst, plan for the best. (laughs) So they still want to plan, but their expectations is it's the end of the world. It's going to not work. And like, no, no, no. Whoa, whoa. Okay. Well, it's the other way around. Just flip the analogy and you're good.
0: (laughs) I haven't. Well, I I suppose that is true, especially today. Um, Good point. All right. So I'm going to talk about another concept from our book. We talk about the rekindle kit. And part of that is understanding your stressors, and then it's putting together a list of coping methods, some of which you may have to learn, and some of which, you know, we all have learned. Um, So my question for you is, what is in your rekindle kit for supportive, emotional, and problem-based coping methods? Problem-focused, because Brian's going to correct me. (laughs) (laughs) Problem-focused. Go. Go, Masha. I'm going to volunteer
2: you first. I'm doing one of them right now is actually Ah. uh, something that we are making available, uh, seasonal fragrance scents for aromatherapy, uh, essential oils that help with certain things. And one of those things is uh, aromatherapy is it helps you breathe. It helps you open up your lungs and it helps you connect with the now. And it really, if you start practicing it like I had to, it was one of those things that hel- held me grounded when chaos was around me. I was like, okay, distressful. Mm-hmm. And okay. I started breathing in my uh aromatherapy and instantly I felt tension just uh start melting off. It it's a it's a reminder. So well, that's one of the things that's in my kids. But uh, Brian, do you want to talk about yours first?
1: Not necessarily, but I guess I can. Mm-hmm. Um I have to get in my head quite a bit, so I generally will sit down and think about what's going on if I'm starting to get stressed out, and just try to work through those emotions and those thoughts because that happens to me a lot. Um, being Ryan, a problem I'm solver. I'm going to stop you
0: for just a second. Um, okay. So what do you what do you do when you're in your head? Like, do you do you do are there, are there any tools that you use? Do you journal? Do you write? Do you What do you do when those thoughts are in your head?
1: I start working through them. I just start asking myself why and trying to see whether, like I was saying before, I have to start seeing whether it's from me or whether something actually came and is coming at me and then how do I deal with that if it's from me then I can start working through well why am I feeling this way if it's not then I can start trying to come up with solutions to how to get around this um I do
3: journal some I don't journal a lot but
1: I used to write a lot of poems in my 20s and that's That was probably my main source of that type of coping. And I do kind of miss that. And occasionally I do write poems, but nothing like I did in my 20s.
3: Michelle?
0: Okay. Um, What about in supportive coping? Have you or are you learning any of the skills there? So rest, diet, exercise
1: put you on the spot yes and no (laughs) listen to our next week episode where i talk about exercise being a four-letter word and that kind of describes the rest part um
2: and to tease him a little bit i came across uh, an exercise coach uh facility i was like oh i'm gonna take a clip of that and send to brian
1: (laughs) and i texted her back and i was like they spelled couch wrong (laughs) but
3: um, being out in nature
1: is probably my biggest rest. So as far as supportive goes.
0: Yeah. And we have done a lot of that over the past two years and I agree with you. That's actually one of mine as well. So yes, thankfully that's something we can do together. Um, all right, Masha, what's in your Kindle kit?
2: All right. So mine actually is a box. (sighs) of stuff that helps. Okay. And uh Okay, so, yeah. so before you get started,
0: don't unpack the whole box or I'll tell you the lay on the plane.
2: <laughs> you might one day may be able to buy it in our store. I haven't made the decision yet. Uh so as as I mentioned earlier, aromatherapy is huge. But one of the favorite ones that I, I like to utilize is uh, self care. So for me, it used to be massage, but um, I'm not quite there yet. It's reflexology. So foot reflexology and face reflexology has done wonders of releasing stress and tension. And it's something that I proactively use now. It's part of my routine. So every four to six weeks, I am there on the clock. And by then, I'm already at the place where I really need it. Other uh, coping methods that are in my toolbox are obviously spa we love to treat and release some of the tension and hopefully it is with a friend my mom has a a hot sauna so during the winter times we go there once Mm -hmm. a week and oh my goodness well one you have a friend you can share life and you know the saying goes share um share your story once carry half the burden share it again it's half of that burden. And by the time that you shared enough, you no longer have that stressor, you already processed it uh, verbally and emotionally with, with, a, with a friend and use problem-solving skills on that too. Um, other t- tools that I love to physically engage in is uh, taking a time out and, use, and drinking tea, herbal tea, uh, non-caffeinated teas. Of course, I do like my caffeine, but when when I am stressed, Caffeine actually adds to the anxiety and steals my sleep. So I'm really cautious on gauging. Can I have a cup of coffee today? Uh, That's a bad idea. (laughs) I'll Mm. have one tomorrow if I get enough sleep, right? Um, So I try to use a lot of proactive uh, methods. Also, therapist is, is on my routine, even if I don't feel like I need to go. Or yesterday I was like, you know, I'm really not feeling well. I'm just gonna ditch it. And, and something inside of me, my intuition talks to me and I listen, I learn to listen because she's always right. And it's like go and talk. And she held me accountable. She's like, Okay, well, I'm beginning to see some signs of, of, of uh of stressors. So what are you gonna do about it? And for me, also using PTO. PTO mm. is there for You to use when you're healthy, not when you are sick. So that was my mindset. I need to hoard my PTO. I may need it and then take a vacation and then use it for uh, sickness. Yeah, sick days for that. But I've learned to proactively use PTO for self care and make sure I'm in tune with myself. And other things like handy, crafty things that I like to do with my hands. So there's some of that in there. Uh, For supportive, definitely (laughs) rest is a challenge. (laughs) And uh, diet is a four-letter word, but um, a great Lent is coming in, so I'm going to be obedient and deny myself all the things that I love just to cleanse my body and my spirit and reconnect with God. That's important for me and for exercise. Uh, my physical therapy routine is is really my savior right now because when I don't do it, I feel the consequences of it, and I'm slowly beginning to get into yoga um, something that I really love. It connects my body, my, my mind, my mm. spirit with the breath and really grounds me in the moments. So I really, really miss it. I've gone last week, halfway through, I was fine. The other half, I almost died. <laughs> did you not? I was like, okay, I'm happy I'm here, but I did make it. So
1: I'm uh, pretty sure I'm
3: hearing that plane. Go for it. No,
1: we just need to land the plane in general. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. So, so Masha, you've got some, you've got some great skills. Um, I would say that mine, you know, my, my natural was a supportive, a lot of movement, physical movement. I used to eat healthy. I'm not going to say that I do right now, but we're working on that. Um, so I would say that is what I'm working on is a healthy stress reduction diet. Um, Being out in nature, thankfully, Brian and I share that, or, you know, if we didn't share that, I think we probably would have had some problems over the past two years of full-time RVing because that is a big reason to do it is to be out in nature. So I would say that walking the dogs, um, meditation, which I often do while I walk, um, I would say hobbies are in my rekindle kit and I always have some kind of sewing project with me just to you know be able to reconnect and, and use your hands in that way. Um, I would say that I've had to learn some emotional coping skills. I've had to learn to actually talk to Brian more and he will say that I am not the most communicative and I'm working on it. I'm still not great at it. Let's face it.
3: (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. Throw me under the bus. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I would say I'm, I'm learning some of those emotion focused skills. Um, all right, so I do know it's time to land the plane and you know we all have we all have Liza and Masha has a daughter who's going to be calling her if she doesn't show up to pick her up. So, to, don't forget to me mom. End up, <laughs> yeah. So to end up, um, I, wanna, I want you guys just to answer a one quick question. What is your tip for how can people learn new stress coping methods if they need to? Go for it Masha.
3: No, let's just on the plane. <laughs> I, I can
2: All talk right, for well, another
0: hour. Okay, two minutes or less. One tip.
2: One tip. We're 50 minutes in. Oh, we had a lot of tips, but I think one tip is. Yeah, but is you got to leave
1: in five minutes and we're 50 minutes in.
2: It's okay. I'm waiting for the call. <laughs> one tip. We're I'll just do to be one 45 tip.
1: 45 minutes.
2: I know. 52.58 seconds and counting. All right. One tip. I'll just say one tip. The most important tip that I think that I have implemented that is life-saving is quiet time. I plan at least 10 minutes of quiet time. No technology, no screens, just me in the moment connecting my mind, my body, my spirit, the breathing and prayer, meditation, whether it's outside on the porch in the walk Or just sitting on the floor or standing on the floor, whatever that is, it's 10 minutes of just existing and being in the moment.
0: That's great advice. All right, Brian, I'm gonna land the plane since we need to. Um, But I do want to invite people to share in the comments what are your stressing techniques, stress coping techniques? What do you rely on? And are there any new ones that you're learning? And then if you did find this information helpful, please help us by subscribing and following. And, you know, our goal is to reach a million hearts to help us all beat burnout and manage stress. Um, And then join us next time as we have um, more conversations about stress coping methods and living the kind of lives that we want to. Any final words? Be
3: great and breathe. Ah, great advice. All right.